This week, Democrats in the Heartland, Death of Obamacare, and Biden Time. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and with me today are Ed Tibbetts of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Ed. Morning, James. Thomas Nelson of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Aaron Murphy, Lee Newspaper State House Bureau Chief. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James, and happy baseball season, everyone. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to us on, on Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up, the Heartland Forum. It's a little early for corn stalks, but I'm sure the folks hosting the Heartland Forum up in Storm Lake this weekend can find some hay bales for the Democratic candidates to sit on <laughs> or not. Um, Aaron, you're heading up to northwest Iowa to hear a handful of Democratic hopefuls talk about issues that weigh heavily on the minds of Heartland voters. It's not – some of these folks aren't necessarily the A-list um, candidates, but what do you expect from this – what do you think we're going to hear from this group of candidates in, in this sort of a forum? Well, it'll be interesting as far as what we're going to see. The event is being held in a chapel and on the Buena Vista campus, so I don't know if they'll have hay bales or straw bales in there uh, to either to sit on or for background decoration, but uh, that is usually a must for these events, so uh, we'll see what they have set up. Um, you know, obviously, uh, between uh, the hosts, uh, including Art Cullen of the Storm Lake Times, um, uh, they're, they're going to be uh, given these uh, candidates questions on all kinds of agricultural and rural issues. Uh, trade, I'm sure, will come up. Um, Agri-business mergers um, is is a big topic for, for some farmers. Um, so so it'll, it'll be a chance for Iowans to uh, kind of test these candidates on their knowledge of those issues uh, um, that, that are more specific um, to uh, rural candidates and, and rural voters. Uh, um, so it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, they, uh, this isn't going to be a, uh, a surprise to any of these candidates, so I'm sure they've been spending this uh, week uh, um, studying up on, on, on some of these um, issues, but uh, it, it'll be an opportunity for them um, to um, kind of show that they can be a candidate who can speak to uh, voters uh, throughout the state, not just in the big uh, urban uh, centers. And, and like you said, um, these aren't necessarily um, top to bottom. The, the, uh, it's not a field of candidates that have been um, drawing the biggest polling numbers. So um, there's an opportunity for some of these candidates maybe to um, impress some of these uh voters and and, and um, give them a reason to maybe uh, put them in their top tier of candidates uh, yeah. they're thinking about. I don't think anyone's uh, going to walk away from this having their mind made up, but but it could they could put themselves you know in that short list in in some voters' minds. Aaron, uh, this week uh, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren uh, released what she's calling her fair shot for America's farmers. Uh, and this morning, John Delaney um, released what he's calling the Heartland Fair Deal. Do you expect to hear from these other candidates? And, and the others are Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, Julian Castro from Texas, and uh, John Delaney from Maryland, and Tim Ryan, who isn't a candidate, but he's thinking about getting into the race. He's an Ohio congressman. Do you expect that mm -hmm. they'll all kind of roll out a rural America plan um, uh, Saturday? 
Yeah, what, what a happy coincidence that Senator Warren and uh, Congressman Delaney uh, published those this week, right? Um, I, I don't know that we'll necessarily see um, a rollout, you know, like a media-packaged um, rollout like those were, like Senator Warren's and, and Congressman Delaney's. Um, but without a doubt, so every one of those candidates will try to make that point uh, on Saturday. I, I'd be shocked if they don't uh, try to try, try to show that they – uh, are familiar with these issues. Obviously, uh, Amy Klobuchar comes uh, from Minnesota, um, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about her familiarity with ag issues there. Um, Julian Castro from Texas. Um, uh, it's not, you know, corn and soybeans there, but there's plenty of um, um, agricultural issues in Texas there, and I'm sure he'll talk about that. Um, Tim Ryan will be interesting. He's, he's, he's kind of been known for uh, uh, talking more about um, um, workers' issues, manufacturing, that kind of stuff. So he'll, it'll be interesting to hear him talk uh, about these ag issues. But whether or not they come out with former policy proposals or, or not before the weekend, um, uh, before Saturday's event, um, obviously uh, that's something that they'll all try to um, uh, get across uh, to folks at, at that event. I was just thinking as you're talking, Aaron, that you know, if you think back to about four years ago, there was the, um, I think it was called the Ag Summit uh, down at uh, mm-hmm. the fairgrounds. Bruce in, in, yeah, Bruce Rastetter right. sponsored that yep. for the Republican candidates. And the th- one of the things that struck me is how each one of those candidates talked about how agriculture was really a big deal in their state. You know, Rick Perry and Ted Cruz, uh, pe- you know, didn't have to work too hard to make us believe that. But I remember. Um, Oh, shoot, now I'm forgetting his name. <laughs> From New Jersey, uh, Chris, um, former governor. Yeah, talking about how, you know, insisting that agriculture was important to New Jersey. We're the garden state. We're the garden state. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure we'll he- hear some of that uh, this weekend, you know, talking about how uh, agriculture is an important part of the Massachusetts economy and, and so on and so forth. Um, Thomas, uh, we saw a lot of these types of forums sponsored by Christian conservative groups, economic conservatives, and other Republican-leaning groups ahead of the 2016 caucuses. When you look back at those, do you think they changed minds or did they merely reinforce sort of where the candidates were standing with these various groups? Um, and I guess what I'm saying is were they really forums or were they really more of a rally than a forum? I, I think it I think overall it kind of depends on your perspective. I think if uh, you're looking at these as part, you know as uh, partisan and you're looking at these forms as a partisan performance, then these are absolutely a rally. You know if they're only reinforcing values um, and reinforcing policy positions that these candidates already have and they're just using this as a way to you know express those, uh, policy positions. This is absolutely just a rally for them to kind of say that. But with that said, I also I don't I don't think a lot of people. You know, this could also be a, a place for individual uh, members of the Democratic Party because all the uh, candidates that are going to be there are Democrats. For Democrats to kind of see whether or not their views align with these specific candidates, and whether and who knows, maybe this could give. One of these, uh, one of these candidates, a boost. You maybe we, uh, John Delaney may end up uh, making, uh, end up becoming the next, uh, uh, 
Oh, oh, I just had his name in my head, and then I forgot it. Uh, uh, the the governor, and he was a, he won the Iowa caucus in two thousand eight. Mike Huckabee. Yeah. Mike oh, uh, Mike Huckabee. Yeah. <laughs> sort of the coming out of nowhere, but you know maybe if he makes a big enough splash at one of these events, he's able to get enough appeal there. But um, overall, I think these are these end up being are going to end up being uh, more of a rally, just sort of for these candidates to express their views. And well, at the same time, I, I think to a certain extent, it, it's a rally, but it's also a chance for uh, you know individual Democrats to figure out where whether or not their views align with these candidates um, uh, for these positions. Yeah, hey, Jim, I'll mm-hmm. just I'll sorry. Sorry, I was just going to add in there. So, so you mentioned. So let's just look back. Uh, Donald Trump. Um, how many of those events did he do in 2015? And he and he and he managed to win the nomination. I don't think uh, he did that very first one, the Citizens United uh, Freedom Summit with Steve King. I don't know if he did another one after that. Did he? That's what I can remember, anyways. So, so if you want to talk about the uh, impact that these can have on the overall race. Um, the eventual winner only did one of them in 2015. And after that one, he wasn't even the most popular guy. I remember that was the one where Scott Walker came out of um, and everybody was excited and talking about him. And, and we know how long he lasted in the race. So, and, and, so uh, it, the historical evidence doesn't suggest that they, that these things um, have a, a, a really, um, you know, ground moving effect on the, on the voters. And what do we remember about that Freedom Summit forum that Trump participated in? That's where he said he didn't think John McCain was a hero. He liked people who didn't get captured by the enemy. Uh, and, and I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that's what we remember of that one uh, event he was in. And apparently it didn't hurt him. Uh, so, yeah, that's a good, good point. Ed, uh, you know, after the 2016 election, there was a lot of hand-wringing over Democrats poor performance in the heartland and in, in do you think this sort of forum is enough to win back rural voters or, or at least s- sort of open the door to rural America again? Well, no, I mean, as we've, as you guys have previously noted, it's not enough to win back voters, but you know, like what, you know, what is, 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 uh, um, going to these places, um, going to them frequently, doing what Dave Lobsack does, um, showing up and, uh, and talking about issues that, uh, that people care about, uh, you know, uh, that, that's sort of the first thing that they've, they've got to do. And frankly, I think that, uh, Elizabeth Warren's, um, you know, plan, uh, to get at uncompetitive practices is, uh, is a pretty good start. Um, you know, I, I think there have been plenty of analysis out there that, that suggests that, um, you know, on cultural issues, uh, Democrats have to go further, uh, you know, have a higher climb than Republicans uh, to reach some of these voters. Uh, but, but I think that, uh, you know, by hammering away at these things and, and sticking to it, um, they, they improve their chances. They may not win in rural areas, but uh, uh, you can certainly do what uh, Republicans have uh, tried to do in uh, eastern Iowa to effect, and that's narrow some of those margins. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's interesting you say by talking about things like the, the you know, breaking up um, the large companies and, and uh, this week Warren was talking about um, Monsanto and Bayer and, and these conglomerates. It, 
if she avoids sort of the social issues and sticks to those economic issues, is that probably a better strategy for uh, building a bridge to rural America? Well, I, I mean, I think you always emphasize, uh, you always put your best foot forward, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I, I think that's the uh, the stronger play to make. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think you can uh, can fully, uh, you know, avoid some of those things that uh, that uh, that might set you apart from uh, from voters. And but but I think that you know, as long as people engage honestly, uh, and then then they help themselves. All right. Well, we'll expect a full report from. Uh, Aaron, who's going to be going to the Heartland Forum. Uh, you can look for that in the Gazette and Lee newspapers and online. Moving along, part two of our podcast today is The Death of Obamacare, a tragic comedy in many, many, many acts. The Trump administration is trying again to make the GOP the party of health care by asking a federal judge to strike down the entire Affordable Care Act, ending Obam Obamacare as we know it and replacing it with uh, as yet unknown uh, health plan. Ed, um, we've, we've seen this movie before, and does the Trump administration get to write a new end to it? Well, you know, I thought it was pretty instructive what uh, Mitch McConnell uh, said about this. He basically said, I look forward to seeing what the White House and Nancy Pelosi come up with. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it seems to me he doesn't want to have this fight, and Democrats obviously do. Uh, it's it's a bit of a mystery why, um, particularly this week, the Trump administration chose to uh, to reengage here. Um, and 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 frankly, uh, you know, people have talked about you know what well, what what plan might the Republicans have? What plan might the White House uh, uh, plan have? What what plan might the White House have? They already know. They already showed it to us. Uh, and it didn't win, even when Republicans had full control of the government. Um, you know, I, I I can't think of a sequel that turns out better than the original. Um, maybe some people will point to Godfather 2. Uh, <laughs> maybe Toy Story 2. Um, I, I, I have a hard time seeing that, uh, that this is going to end well. Uh, more a Razzie than an Oscar. <laughs> I, I, I want to see who plays Donald Trump in Toy Story 3. Uh, <laughs> what what are the consequences here if if the president succeeds in getting this struck down? Well, uh, I, I I find it hard that uh, that given what's gone on so far, uh, that there would be any accommodation that the White House could make um, that would satisfy Democrats who who control the House. Um, I, I think. More than anything else, um, this this is a bee in the president's bonnet. Uh, it also, uh, I think, helps him with his base. Uh, but uh, you know, given what we saw in the uh, 2018 election and how Democrats used uh, the health care issue uh, 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 to their benefit, um, this one's this one's a mystery. Mm -hmm. Aaron, um, of course, there would be political consequences too. Killing Obamacare might rally the Trump base, as Ed mentioned, but wouldn't it have the same effect on Democratic voters, firing them up on an issue that uh, seemed to work well in 2018? Yeah, I, I mean, that's exactly right. Look, the, the 2018 elections were a huge wave elections for Democrats at the um, federal level, and health care was the number one issue among uh, those voters. Uh, so um, it was, <laughs> I mean, all the way down to the at state house. I, I heard some Republicans this week at the Iowa Capitol 
uh, that were just <laughs> shocked that uh, in, in the immediate aftermath of the uh, Mueller um, report being filed anyways and, and the uh, letter from the attorney general that um, was about as um, um, worded about as uh, safely to the president as, as could have been expected, uh, a moment of celebration for the White House. And then um, within a few days, uh, we're talking about uh, the battle for Obamacare all over again and uh, defunding the Special Olympics. So um, it was an, an interesting um, uh, strategy out of the White House. Um, and, um, and you're exactly right, uh, especially on the um, well, on, on both, really, you know that, you know, you talk about everything that happens can be a, a campaign commercial. I mean, uh, talk about the campaign commercial that says um, this candidate wanted to defund the Special Olympics. I, I got to feel like that one has a little bit of uh, punch to it, too. So, um, uh, yeah, but yeah, to, to circle all the way back here, um, you're absolutely right. This could this is an issue that could fire up the Trump based voters. But as we've already seen very recent history. Um, it also fires up the other side and and beyond just the Dem- it's not just the democratic base that um, that voted on this issue in 2018 um, that you know it this this the healthcare issue reached some voters that um, um, maybe aren't your classic every turnout for every election uh, Democrats it it, it, it it at the very least expanded their base uh, so mm-hmm. um, it, politically it's a, it's an interesting fight to pick I think it, it's safe to say it, it was interesting to me how quickly the the president distanced himself from the defunding Special Olympics sort of like a it wasn't his idea, and then Betsy DeVos said, "Well, she wasn't personally involved in that decision." Uh, so, <laughs> sounds like no, there's going to be some no, heads no, uh, getting chopped off. Just, yeah, uh, <laughs> who came up with up that? In the budget magically somehow. Yeah, who slipped that in there? Well, where'd that come from? All right, <laughs> Joe, not yet a candidate. Biden reportedly has been talking to folks in Iowa, and according to the Associated Press, is placing importance on a quote-unquote commanding performance in the 2020 caucuses. Ed, I'm guessing that commanding is not just one of the proverbial three tickets out of Iowa, but a first-class ticket? Uh, well, yeah, expect- expectations, yeah, would, would be pretty high for uh, for Vice, Vice President Biden going in, sure. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, uh, plenty of people have pointed out that he's got some real hurdles ahead of him. And despite the early polls that uh, really, I think, are just sort of an exercise in name recognition, there are chunks of uh, the caucus going public in Iowa that, frankly, are going to think of Biden as part of the past and not the future. Um, so for him to come out of Iowa with a commanding performance, he's going to have to do what everybody else has to do, and that's to make the case for why he's the guy to take this country and this party forward. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, uh, I, I think that uh, expectations for him uh, would be uh, would be pretty high. Do you think that that he's running out of time to get into the race and sort of pave his lane uh, to a caucus victory before? younger, fresher faces uh, define this race? I don't think it's too late, um, but, you know, I I think there's been enough tongue-wagging about whether Biden gets in or doesn't get in uh, that uh, uh, there's probably some impatience out there for him to make up his mind. Uh, But, but no, I don't, you know, I don't think it's too late. Uh, No. 
Aaron, I think the other, the other side of that argument is that by waiting, he lets uh, Democratic caucus goers get a taste of all the flavors of the month candidates uh, before he jumps in and, <laughs> and sort of with the, you know, I'm the real deal here. Uh, you know, you, you've, you've seen all the, you know, the pretenders, and here I am. Uh, so maybe he's, he's, by sitting back and waiting, he's uh, just sort of letting the anticipation build. <laughs> yeah, well, and um, not only that, but he's not in the race and everybody's still talking about him. Um, so what, what's the hurry? Um, you know, he's, he's still in the news cycle. He's still on the on Iowa politics podcast um, as a topic. Um, so, you know, he doesn't even have to be in the race to do that. Um, I, I, I think I think Ed uh, pretty much has it right Um there's still plenty of time. Uh, we're 10 months out from the caucuses, 10 or 11 months out. Um, and um, there's plenty of time, especially for a candidate like Joe Biden, who doesn't need to boost his name ID um, to jump into this thing and, and hit the ground running. Um, you know, he's obviously been around and has people here who are um, – waiting for him and ready to support him full throat once he gets in. Um, um, so, so it, it, he's, the, the clock isn't, um, you know, we're not down to the last few grains of sand in the hourglass um, yet, but, but at the same time um, for each day, he's not officially in it. It's, it's a, it's another day day that the other candidates are out here in Iowa face to face meeting uh, Democrats and, and introducing themselves and, and maybe, um, um, getting in, uh, into the um, atmosphere of those voters who like Joe Biden, but also maybe open to other voters, and and then they talk to um, Beto O'Rourke face to face, or or Elizabeth Warren, or or Cory Booker, who Kamala Harris, whoever it may be, and 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 get a positive impression of them, and and now they're thinking, well, maybe. Maybe I don't need to wait for Joe Biden. Maybe, maybe I like this one too. So you know, it's, it's he still has plenty of time. But but um, uh, you know, as Ed said, there's probably some impatience and and there's something being lost in these days that that he's not in it if he is going to. Well, as James, if yeah, I'm go ahead. If I might just riff off something that uh, that Aaron uh, said, uh, it, to me it seems like Joe Biden's strongest card right now is I, I'm the guy that can beat Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. The more we see some of these other candidates out here who are making the case that they are the ones uh, who have uh, uh, better electability chances, uh, I think some of that start, start, starts to go away for Biden. So the longer he waits, the more some of these other candidates are able to make an argument that they are the ones who who are most electable, uh, then, then waiting might hurt him. Good point. Uh, and I, I'm sure that he, you know, now that we're talking about Joe Biden on the On Iowa Politics podcast, he's probably stepping up his plan to get into the race. Um, and when he, when, <laughs> when, he, when he does, we'll talk about it on a future edition of On Iowa Politics. And I hope this one has been worth your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Fan mail may be sent to on Iowa Politics 
at gmail.com. And you can find us every week on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Cody Hicks, an Iowa musician, will take us out. And if you know a band or talented Iowa musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file. And remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Thomas, Ed, Aaron, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. Got me feeling, got me feeling like a girl. Got me feeling, got me feeling like a girl. Got me feeling, got me feeling like a girl. Summer days on the lake. Chilling back on a cold drink Feeling kind of tipsy Must be that whiskey She looked my way Looked back again It's all it took Knew I was in Yeah, girl, you got me feeling like I Got me feeling, got me feeling like a girl Got me feeling, got me feeling